Hello, welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean Woodley here with you as always, and I'm joined today by our pal Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com and a whole bunch of other places. CBC, you know the bylines by now. Big V is here. We are going to talk about the last preseason game, a 113-108 win for the Raptors over the Wizards with a bit of a skeleton crew with OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and some others staying back in Toronto. We will talk about Malachi Flynn and the nice game he had and the nice little comeback. Did Sam Decker make a case for the team with his 18 point second half we'll get to all of that and then we're also going to finish off our series of conversations about what success would be for various members of the raptors this season and we're taking the big view today where we're talking about what success would be for the raptors as a whole this season so that's all coming up on today's episode of locked on raptors thanks for being with us oh like because when i shot i expected to make it so like, i don't shoot kind of miss you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary three by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. Uh-huh. Hey. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1034 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, October the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can find the podcast free on all of your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube. So please follow, subscribe, tell a friend. It is uh, very much appreciated when you support the show. We had like 35 new YouTube subs just yesterday, which is very, very cool. Pushing our way towards 1,000. Please, if you have not yet, hit subscribe. It's uh, very, very appreciative and appreciated, and it super, super helps us out when it comes to things like money, if we're being frank about things, uh, which why not be frank? It's, it's what the world revolves around, apparently, because we've made it so. Either way, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, and uh, let's get to it. On today's show, we are talking about the final preseason game for the Toronto Raptors, a 113-108 win with the Raptors skeleton crew taking down basically a full Wizards team, and uh, we'll get into some of the interesting takeaways from that. And then we're going to take a big picture look at what success would look like for the Raptors this season. I think it's a fascinating question because I don't really know. It's uh, it's kind of a, an ambiguous question for this year's Raptors team in particular. We're going to dig into it with today's guest, who I have listed on the screen right now as Katie Heindel, but as not Katie Heindel at all. Let's fix it. There it is. It's Vivek Jacob. Big V. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Uh, I bet a lot of people wish Katie was on, though. Um <laughs> It's good. It's nice. You know, we've, we've wrapped up preseason. The Raptors gave us a bit of breaking news. They've just waived Freddie Gillespie and uh, Perry. So, oh, uh, that's news. Wow. We're down to uh, see that. We're down to right. the uh, Wainwright, uh, Decker and Bonga decision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's the fun stuff now over, over. I mean, I imagine the decision with that will be made over the next couple of days as well. And then we move on to focusing on opening night and all our takeaways from preseason, how they'll carry over to the regular season will begin. Yeah, I think uh, that is a, uh, a really interesting jumping off point here for our takeaways from the preseason game. Because, yeah, I just saw the news come across here as well now, too. Uh, Freddie Gillespie going away. That is, um, 
look, sad news. I think everyone liked Freddie Gillespie. Everyone's always going to remember the party in the USA uh, sort of fun times, good vibes thing from last season, which was one of the only instances of good vibes for the Tampa season altogether. So that's a shame. But he just never really found his way into what the Raptors actually want to do and what they want to see from their big man, right? Like the lack of offensive utility. I've talked about it before on the show, but really I think did him in here. You know, the defense is fi- is fine, you know, when he's stationary and using those long arms to protect the rim, but not super rangy and just never presented himself as a target offensively, just didn't have a whole lot of utility on that end. And it's a, a sad end to what was a fun, really good feeling story in the back part of last year. You know, I think there's been this sort of conversation thinking that Gillespie, even though he hasn't played well, was going to be in line for a job on this team just because of he's, you know, he's a center, right? And, you know, they they lack centers on the team. Reggie Perry as well, also a center who gets waived as well. I believe he was on an Exhibit 10, so he'll be with the 905 most likely, get a nice little piece of money to go to the 905, so that's cool. But with Gillespie, you know, are, are you now sort of sitting there thinking, oh, God, they have no, like, third-string center now. Is this a problem for you? Or do you think with the way that their roster is built, the way Chris Boucher can slide in at the five, the way OG, Siakam, Scotty Barnes can slide down to the five, do you think they're going to be just fine? Or do you think they should go out and find some other, you know, backup big man to come in and replace Gillespie and offer the Raptors at least, like, the option of having somebody large in that spot? I think in some ways it lends towards what the Raptors are trying to accomplish this year. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the whole six, eight, six, nine vibe of the team and going all in on that, they're saying, okay, this is what we're going to do all year. We're going to learn as much as we can about playing this style of basketball. And so we don't care to, you know, have that option, you know, whether it's a <laughs> Jokic or an Embiid or whatever, just to have a seven footer to throw at them for the sake of it, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to go all in with this style and the results will speak for themselves. So I'm fine with it. I think uh, at the end of the day, I if the skill is on par with the size, then mm-hmm. I think there's a case for Freddie Gillespie but uh, or someone like him. But I think... You know, when there's clearly better players, which would be the case with Wainwright and Bonga and what they've shown so far, then I'm fine with it. And then, you know, from uh, addressing a need, I'd probably say Decker is more of a need than Gillespie. Uh, I'd I'd rather have that option uh, than Gillespie just being out there, you know, as a bit of bulk. Because, I mean, let's face it, he's, you know, 6'8", 6'9", himself. Yeah, like Freddie Gillespie was the break glass in case of emergency big man. And, you know, yes, have they thrown the fire extinguisher out the door and maybe open themselves up to, you know, exposure if they play a very specific kind of center and a very specific kind of kitchen fire starts? Perhaps, but I don't think they're going to come across that, you know, issue too often. And honestly, I, I made this point earlier. I don't think the Raptors are in a position where they need to worry about specific matchups against specific big men, right? Like, this is not a season where there's a ton of expectation, as we're going to get into in the next couple segments here. But, you know, it's a season where they should be focusing on their identity and what they do well first, and then worry about specific tailoring of matchups when you become a playoff contender. And that becomes an issue for you down the line, much like they did when they traded for Marcus Gasol for an exact matchup that really needed addressing. I don't think as much as it will suck to have Joel Embiid potentially own them four times this season, 
you know, I think it's a totally fine trade-off to get a little bit more skill on the roster. And also, Joel Embiid has talked glowingly, or I guess terrified, uh, <laughs> like, about what the Raptors do to him defensively anyway. So they might be able to make it work with that sort of configuration regardless. And, you know, again, building your team for one seven-foot dude who is a monster is probably not the best way to go about it, unless you are literally a conference finals contender and your one obstacle to getting to the finals is said seven foot monster, which it is not the case for the Raptors right now. Uh, Sam Decker. Let's talk about him. He had 18 points last night, kind of a hilarious explosion. And, you know, it's not been a terribly inspired race for those last couple spots on the roster. You know, obviously Svi had really made himself a claim to that 13th spot and wasn't going anywhere and figures to be in the rotation at this point and is like apparently a lovely drive and kick player all of a sudden, which is pretty cool. Um, but the other performances at the back end of the roster have not been terribly inspired. You know, Isaac Bonga gets lots of praise for a 2.2 rebound game where he just does the right things and stands in the right spots. That's fine and good. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, Ish Wainwright kind of gets the praise for being the vibes guy, not so much for on-court stuff. And then Sam Decker hadn't really played until last night, and he goes off for 18 points pull-up three-point shooting, getting to the rim, a couple dunks here and there, getting to the line a couple times. Are you sold on Sam Decker? Did the Sam Decker game sway you at all, Vivek? Should Sam Decker be one of those final roster guys, or are we the victim of a you know the, the recency bias of, okay, it was a game against the Wizards where very clearly no one really cared all that much, and you can't really glean too much from that one game? It has swayed me. I, I think when... You look at, again, the roster needs. I uh, look mm -hmm. at Isak Bonga and with his skill set, with what's already available at his position, whether you look at OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Yuta Watanabe, and it pretty much boils down to Wainwright versus Bonga for me. And mm -hmm. you look at the way Wainwright's jump shot has translated over to the preseason, I'm much more intrigued by that. Uh, and, and so to accompany Wainwright, yeah, I'd, I'd go Decker uh, because, again, just having that added three-point uh, threat can't hurt at the bottom of the roster. Do I expect mm -hmm. him to play much at all? No, not really, but it'd just be a nice option to have. And to know that, you know, let's face it, that, that is a pressure situation that he's facing. Yeah. Uh, it's, your, it's your, as Nick Nurse will call it, it's your last chance saloon to make an impression <laughs> uh, and and I thought he took full advantage of it so as much as I liked Bonga doing the right things I just don't think uh, there's room for uh, another you know 6-9 guy that's just gonna add some athleticism and not necessarily a jump shot so it's it's Wainwright and Decker for me yeah, I think I may have also been swayed as well. Yesterday on this podcast, I said it should be Bonga and Wainwright who get those spots. Wainwright for the vibes, Bonga because he's just kind of, you know, fits the mold of what the Raptors like. I guess my thinking with that, as much as it's overlapping skill sets, it's, it's like, uh, you know how sharks have teeth that just kind of fall out and then get replaced immediately by teeth for the rest of their lives, just like endless rows of teeth? I guess I kind of envisioned the Raptors just having endless rows of six foot nine dudes in place of teeth. Uh, this would be a weird looking shark but either way like that was kind of my vision there and you know i'm swayed by the fact that sam decker could like hit a three that he created himself uh yes it's the wizards defense which i think is going to be hilariously bad this season but 
I do think, um, you know, that that extra threat that, that Decker provides is just a nice little bit of insurance, right? You know, Matt Thomas didn't play a whole lot with the Raptors, but it was nice to know that you could throw him in there and get a couple three-pointers off. Maybe that's what Sam Decker can do at a bit more of a sort of NBA-level size, which, of course, Matt Thomas did not bring to the table. Um, we've gone longer on the first segment because we got breaking news than I expected. So we are going to talk about Malachi Flynn on the other side before we pivot into the question of what this season would, what a success would be for the Raptors this season. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our pals over at Sweatblock, who are seriously the best product I've ever used. I've been doing this podcast for five years. It's the best product that we've had on the show as a sponsor that I have been able to actually use in my daily life and actually improve my life. It has been amazing. And they come with a dry shirt guarantee. If you are an excessive sweater, you're always worried about, you know, are my pit stains going to show through? What colors can I wear? Sweatblock is for you and their anti uh, Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes along with their deodorant and some other great products as well on their website that you can go and check out. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat guaranteed. I know it sounds too good to be true, but I have used it and I have also tried every other clinical antiperspirant there is out there because it is very much a problem for me and it has been fixed and ended and quashed by sweat block. It has been absolutely game changing for me. No more picking my shirts based on which one's going to hide sweater. No more pitting out sweat better. No more pitting out. If you were somebody who loved deals with excessive sweating, it's awkward to talk about. You don't love it, but you have to tell that person or yourself to go to check out Sweatblock. Get 20% off today at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on, all one word, or you can go to Amazon or CVS to pick it up as well, but you don't get that promo code. So why not just go straight to the source, sweatblock.com for 20% off with the promo code locked on. All right, Big V, let's continue on our chat here. Uh, before we get to that, though, just a reminder, or it's not really a, a reminder, a bit of a laying of the land for the next five or so episodes of the show. This is the most planning I've ever done, like, out many days, but it's very exciting as we lead into the season. Tomorrow, Javon Shepard's going to come on the podcast. We're going to have some overarching preseason takeaways and talk about who should start for the Raptors this season, both before Pascal Siakam arrives and uh, also after he's back. We're going to dig into that question with TV's Javon Shepard tomorrow. On Friday, we're going to be joined by Herbie Kuhn, the PA voice of the Raptors, the man whose voice made me uh, a little bit weepy on the opening night of the preseason back last week, just hearing his voice again. We're going to talk about Herbie, the challenge that it was kind of being away and not getting to do the PA for the team and uh, what it means to him to be back calling games at the Scotiabank Arena. That's going to be fun. Next week on Monday, also, we're joined by Alan Shane Lewis and Ann Pornell of the Great Canadian Baking Show, one of my favorite television shows in the world. And they're, they're I mean, Alan's a huge Raptors fan. He's been on the show before. Anne is a fledgling Raptors fan. And we're going to convince Anne, kind of give her a primer on how to be a Raptors fan, what players to really dig. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll probably talk about baked goods as well, because how can you not with the Baking Show, folks? And then next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, a two-part over under spectacular the fifth annual over under spectacular with Vivek Jacob on the call here and Sahal Abdi so that's what you got for the next little while teasing out of the way let's get to it Malachi Flynn last night Vivek 22 points uh had a sort of meager shooting day I suppose 6 of 15 but got to the line enough times to really make up for it was a plus 17 critical to the Raptors comeback late in this game as well to beat the Wizards Nice to see Malachi Flynn look a little bit more comfortable. It's been a pretty rough preseason for him after a really nice summer league where he looked too good to be there. 
I don't think I was ever too worried about what we saw in the preseason, but you know, you get into the question of roster battles and position and depth chart and all that stuff. And Malachi Flynn's name was one of the ones that seemed to be kind of on the downturn as opposed to the stock rising. What was your impression of Flynn's game last night, Big V? Are you happy to see that? Are you kind of, okay, Flynn's back. He's going to be fine as a backup point guard going into the season. Are there other red flags there sitting for you? Overall thoughts on Malachi Flynn. I mean, really happy to see Malachi have a game like that. I think he needed it. Uh, I think he needed the buzzer beater that he had in Toronto. I, <laughs> I think all those feel-good vibes. And, you know, the question I ask myself is, has Malachi versus Delano become a thing? Mm-hmm. And based on what we saw in preseason, it seems like, you know, Malachi needs to come out hitting shots. It's yeah the main strength that he has over anyone else uh, in that ball handling backup role. And and so he needs to bring that to the table. If he's not doing that, then it kind of becomes a case. Well, okay, we got to find a way to create offense. I'd rather have the guy who at six, eight, six, nine can grab the ball and go much faster than Malachi, get us into our sets that much quicker and maybe create a bit of chaos and then we get some easier looks that way. So mm-hmm. I think that's where Malachi, uh, I think with his opportunities, you know, he's got to operate like the green light is always on. And yeah. the second he gets a, a sliver of daylight, that shot's got to go up. I, I think that's got to be his mindset going in. Um, maybe get a bit, a bit of Gary Trent r- r- rubbing up on him. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the best thing that can happen for him. And, and I know the toughest challenge for him is probably the fact that he'd rather be more of a traditional point guard sure, and sort of get into the sets and run things and then manage the situation from there. But I think the way it's panning out, you know, I, I think he's got to be someone just really look to score um, and then and then run the set. Yeah, I, I think sort of the success for Flynn, at least this season, maybe he kind of refines that pick and roll operation as his career goes along. And it's honestly a little bit surprising that he's not as sort of well-tuned a pick and roll operator as he was kind of billed as coming out of college, right? I guess it's like NBA speed, NBA size. It's a little bit more difficult to manage. He hasn't really had a very effective bigs to work with so far in his NBA career, which I think is important. And also all the caveats of he had no real run up to the season, no summer league, you know, last year was kind of a disaster and kind of a write-off in a lot of ways for him. You know, I'm kind of in many ways looking at this as his rookie season. So, you know, some struggles are to be expected and maybe he does refine that pick and roll operation and the big man chemistry as the season goes along. But I do think you're right that his real value is going to be, all right, you're the dude with the green light. Go ahead. I think, you know, because of that, I think he should play with Goran Dragic off the bench. Uh, and we can get into that conversation with Javon tomorrow. But I think that pairing works a lot better than two guys who are constantly thinking green light in Flynn and Trent as your backcourt. And I think Dragic just kind of injects a little bit more sort of adulthood into that second unit, which I think they could really use. Um, but yeah, like he's got to look for his shots when he is sort of working that pull-up game. It's really effective. He, the three-point stroke looks so good. It's weird that it's been so sort of wayward in the early part of his career. I think it will come around based on the form. And I think he should get all that second second unit, you know, backup point guard time. You know, I, as much as I understand the Delano Banton infatuation and all that, I actually don't think he should even be in consideration to be the backup point guard right now. 
I still think he's super raw. There's no offensive threat there, really, unless he's on the run, which is great. But I think the nice thing about this season is that the Raptors have the 905 back and can use it the way they like to do it. And I think just throwing Banton into the rotation right away ahead of Flynn really kind of undercuts the value that a lot of time with the 905 can bring to a guy. So send Banton down to the 905. Let him run that team, play 35 minutes a night, run 20 pick and rolls a game. I think that's the pathway here for Benton. I think Flynn's already had enough trial by fire that he can just go in and be the backup point guard. You live with the mistakes, but there's also going to be a lot of games in there where he really pops and kind of wins you games because in the second quarter against reserves, he's scoring 10 points on you know four shots or whatever it might be. So that's kind of where I am on that point guard battle and, and all that. I think Flynn, you know, nice to see last night. I still would have said just give him the backup point guard time and let him run with it next to Dragic, ideally for a little bit of support. Uh, any last thoughts here on the point guard situation, the you know, Malachi Flynn, you know, the, the way the sort of preseason has transpired for the backcourt this season for the Raptors? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think there is a chance that we see more of Delano over the course of the first three weeks because mm-hmm. the 905 season, yeah. 905 season doesn't kick off till November uh, 10th or 11th, I believe. And, right. and so you've got those first few weeks where Nick might just look and say, hey, I don't have Pascal's ball handling like I usually do. Right. We'll, we'll lean on him a little bit until Pascal's back. And then once we get that guy <laughs> in the mix, <laughs> it, then it makes it a bit easier to go to Malachi as well. So, sure. um, of course, if Malachi is out there, you know, hooping and shooting and, and making shots uh, is a different conversation. But uh, I'll be honest, as, as you know, I, I love Malachi, but I'll be honest, he's been pretty disappointing so far in preseason. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, not at all an inaccurate summation of Malachi Flynn's preseason. Uh, with that, we are going to pivot into the question of success for the Raptors this season and what will it look like in the final part of the show. We will get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our pals over at Built Bar who are making just wonderful protein bars. They're fantastic. And for me, someone who has lost 15 pounds over the last few months, Built Bar has been a great way to kind of satisfy my very, very prominent sweet tooth without having all the calories and nasty junk that comes with a candy bar or something like that that I will typically uh, indulge in when I'm in my sort of weakest points. Built Bars are great as a replacement for that. They have nine amazing flavors in their regular lineup. They also have limited time flavors that pop up on the site here and there. Seasonal things like that. Probably some Halloween-themed things coming up very soon. Thanksgiving-themed items as well. Uh, Highly recommend you go check them out. You can get a mixed box, two of each of the nine flavors, to figure out which one you like the most. Not only are Built Bar flavors amazing, but they're also good for you too. 17 to 18 grams of protein in all their bars. Calories ranging from just 130 to 180, much less than your standard candy bar. And then you just get four or five grams of sugar and four or five grams of net carbs in each bar as well. Great to power you through a workout, maybe like a breakfast replacement type thing as well. Lots of great uses for Built Bar. And they are the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. They're all very fast and they eat Built Bars. So you do the math to me. I, I don't know if I am as fast when I eat a Built Bar, but I, I could clock myself pre and post Built Bar doing 100 meters. Maybe I'll do that for the content. Who's to say? Either way, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Big V, let's uh, round this thing out here and talk about the question of success for this year's Toronto Raptors team. 
not like past years for the Raptors, where obviously deep playoff runs, vanquishing LeBron James, making it to the conference finals with Kawhi Leonard were kind of viewed as the, you know, the, the low bars for success to clear. And, you know, sometimes they cleared them, sometimes they did not. This season is far less cut and dry, I think, as to what success would be. I don't know if it's tied to wins and losses at all. It might just be tied to what happens with the individual players on the floor and the process of it all. For you, Vivek, what will constitute a successful Raptors season? You can go any way you want here. A total record, advancement of the playoffs, none of that stuff at all. What do you think here is the key to success for this year's Raptors team? Yeah, I think you've led me into this beautifully, Sean, because I do agree well, that when you. <laughs> you look at <laughs> when you look at a team so young, mm-hmm. would I be disappointed if they made the play in but lost that play in game and, and weren't in the playoffs? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I be disappointed if they made the playoffs and lost in the first round? No. Uh, if I had to guesstimate wins i'd probably say that this is somewhere between a, maybe a 42 to a 45 win team mm-hmm. uh, but would i be shocked if they ended just a bit under 500 you know depending on how that uh, non-pascal siakam stretch goes and when he comes back that type of thing no mm-hmm. i think that's where you know you get that over under at 36 and a half that the betters at. uh so when you don't have those significant team expectations, it becomes more about the individual players. And mm-hmm. so can OG Ananobi carry over his preseason success to the regular season? Can he do it? Let's see him do it against the bad teams, the mediocre teams, and then let's see if he can do it against the really good teams. Because mm-hmm. we know there's a bit of separation in terms of being able to uh, get off your shot and execute at the same level against those high-level teams. So that's one measure. Pascal Siakam, what what is that bounce pack bounce back we're all anticipating uh, going to look like? Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet uh, in his role. So for me, individually is how I will kind of measure success. Obviously, if they all exceed expectations individually, you expect that to tr- translate over to team success. Mm-hmm. But to me, the team success is the bonus in terms yeah. of having disappointment it would be more over maybe someone like og not being able to translate over the success it would be you know uh scotty barnes really really struggling that type of thing yeah i think that's a really good way to look at it and i think that makes for a far more sort of relaxing and fun viewing experience this season when you're not fixated on oh my god they got to get to 44 wins to get into the playoffs or whatever it might be and you're just focused on the individual individual developmental curves i think that's just like a more fun way to watch a team that's at this stage right obviously when the stakes are higher and there's sort of things on the line then that's going to sort of seep in and that's going to be the thing you're focused on but it's not necessary this year because i think we're all kind of in agreement that this is an in-between year where it's more just kind of fact finding and figuring out all right, who on this roster is around for the next great Raptors team and and sort of nurturing it from there. You know, I I think, you know, part of the success for me is do we get to the end of the season and view Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam all as pieces that can be on the next great Raptors team, whether it's, you know, they're supplemented by another star that they can kind of bring in with some of their trade assets, whether it's that they, you know, all, all kind of coalesce, take a level up, and you think, okay, maybe we don't have like a top 10 player here, but we have three top 30 players here and maybe there's something really exciting to work with 
as Scotty Barnes also kind of comes along and maybe he projects one day to be that top 10 player in the league someday down the line. That's a lot to put on a guy. I'm not saying that right now. It's just how you sort of think about the trajectory of a team if you're in the front office. You know, the other thing that I'm looking at success wise is sort of individual team stats uh, and sort of where they measure up in certain areas. Like on defense, I think it'll be a bit of a disappointment if they're not a top 10 defense with what they have personnel wise this year. I mean, they were 15th last year with very little in terms of reliable personnel and so many guys coming in and out. I think if they're not a top 10 defense, something's kind of gone wrong this year. You know, they're so long. Their whole identity is we are the defensive monsters who are going to run it down your throat off of the turnovers and misses we force. And if they have you know some struggles doing that this year, I think that could spell a little bit of concern about you know, the viability of the model they're kind of building around here. So top 10 defense, I think, is success for me. Anything less than that, I'm a little bit bummed. I think transition, like, can they get back to being a marauding transition team? They got in transition a ton last season, I think more than any other team. And I think they were the second worst team efficiency-wise in transition last season. Just a complete fall off from what we've expected in recent years. Can they get back to being middle of the road, maybe even, you know, closer to the upper half of the league in transition efficiency? You know, can they rely on Scotty Barnes and his sort of ability to grab and go and Siakam and OG? Basically, half the roster's ability to grab and go and kind of start those those transition possessions. Can they become, a, again, a very deadly transition team? That's going to be a big thing. And then, yeah, I mean, the OG stuff is really fascinating. I talked yesterday about, about having, you know, hopefully tempered expectations and not really, you know, expecting him to go from a 16-point-a-game guy to a 28-point-a-game guy right away. It doesn't happen like that. It's a slow build. It's going to take time. But I think if OG is able to translate over that efficiency at least a little bit, you know, 57 true shooting, something like that, to north of 20 points a game, I think that qualifies as a very real success for the team and for OG and really sets them up nicely for whatever is going to come next down the line. So those are kind of my barometers. You know, as far as wins, you know, it's funny because I've told myself all along I'm not going to care about making the playoffs and I just am in to watch it. But, like, looking at some of the teams around the East, I know there's lots of hype about the East being better this season. I think the Wizards are going to be trash, man. Their defense is going to be, like, bottom three in the league. Bradley Beal's nice and all. He's your boy. But, like... I don't know. Kyle Kuzma is your second best player. Spencer Dinwiddie off of a knee injury is your second best player. I feel like they're beatable. I've long thought the Knicks were frauds last season and kind of were effectively annoying. And it worked to get the fourth seed in a season where no one was fully healthy. And it was just kind of a bizarre, strange season for the East. I think the Knicks stand a real chance of missing out on the play-in. And when you start doing the math of all the teams there... I think the Raptors are better than a lot of those teams that are very much projected ahead of them based on the floor they're going to have defensively and the sort of established talent they have in Siakam, OG, and Fred. So I think I will be a little bit disappointed at this point if they don't make the play-in just because I think they've shown the flashes in the preseason of a team that can very much be there. If they're the 11th or 12th seed, I think, you know, again, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to change the sort of trajectory of the team all that much. But I do think it'll be a bit of a disappointment considering... The teams around them, I just don't really buy. Maybe that's just a me thing. Maybe you believe in these teams a little bit more than big than I do, Big V. What are your thoughts on that? Like, should there be an attachment of the success question to wins and losses in any way this year and the playoff positioning? No, I, I think that's a fair point you bring up because I think I'm so confident in them being a play-in team that I didn't sure. even sort of <laughs> consider that in my <laughs> expectations at first. So. Right. 
yeah, if they were to finish below 10th in the East, I would be pretty disappointed. And it would suggest that something's going wrong, that's gone wrong. And it might even suggest that, you know, that the playing style uh, may not be suitable. And you do need, you know, more of a Swiss Army knife uh, in terms of options to put out there on the floor. So, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Absolutely. I, I think from a team success standpoint, they should uh, at least be in the play-in tournament. Because for me, I look at Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Those are the top two. Then uh, I'd look at Atlanta and Miami. So if you've got the top four seeds out of the way, okay, you're not competing for home for, uh, home court. Mm-hmm. Then who's at five and six? Then you're looking at, you know, maybe a Boston is there. Uh, Philly, it looks like at this point, maybe Ben Simmons is going to play. So you'd have to put them in the mix, you know, sure. and that's when you get into I'm the sure that will mix. go exceptionally smoothly. There will be no drama <laughs> there whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I think there is an argument to be made if, you know, Ime Udoka doesn't impress as a coach that mm. maybe the Raptors can sneak into that five, six seed and avoid the play in. I would say that's probably the ceiling of this team, avoiding the play in. Uh, but they should absolutely be in the play in tournament. Yeah, I think that is fair. We will uh, make our assessments at season's end as to what was successful and what was not. But I think that is a good way to round out our look at what success would be for the Raptors and, of course, the last few weeks, all the different players who are key cogs in what the Raptors want to do. You can go back and listen to those episodes on Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG and Anobi whenever you please. Um, Vivek. That should do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here, man. Anything that you would like to plug for the good people out there? Yeah. Uh, North Courts is going to make a return soon enough, so you can look out for that next week uh, on CBC Sports. Um, my takeaways from uh, the Raptors preseason as a whole should be up on raptors.com. And then uh, I'll also have a piece coming out later in the week on sort of uh, the Raptors trying to usher in a new style of play. Gotcha. Everyone should go check it out for sure. Uh, you can find me, of course, at RaptorsHQ.com. I will have a Sfema Hilux season preview ready to uh, to put together at, at the end of the week for RaptorsHQ.com. And I'm writing about OG early next week as well. So there's some blogs coming up for me, some season preview stuff. And then also... Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah, tomorrow, Javon Shepard's coming on the show. I'm sorry, I'm getting messages on Microsoft Teams as we record. It's throwing me off deeply. Um, but, yeah, t- tomorrow, Javon Shepard on the show. Friday, Herbie Coon on the show, which is going to be really, really cool. And then next week, Alan Shane Lewis and Ann Pornell from the Great Canadian Baking Show on Monday. And then the Over Under Spectacular for the fifth time with Vivek and Sahal, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week week that will do it for today's show thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked on nba as they are covering the nba's lead up to the season very very well over there every single day with a fresh set of co-hosts for each day of the week also uh if you are a fan of justin champagne talk i'm going to be on an episode of locked on pit 
later on today. Of course, the Pitt Panthers star, Champagny, subject of uh, lots of interest for those who like the Pitt Panthers. And I spoke to uh, the host over there, Nick. Uh, it was a really good time. So hope you go check that out later on today. And uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again with another episode of Locked on Raptors with Javon Shepard tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.